0: We will begin our time of closing out our overwhelm series. We talked about being overwhelmed from everything from joy to love to loss to now today. We're finishing up with being overwhelmed with purpose. Now, as I begin this message, this is not a quote-unquote leadership message, but I will say every one of us in here has a purpose. Purpose. Whether you be eight or eighty or in between or outside of those brackets, we all have been given a purpose. And now, I, I never claim to be a fix-it man. Some of our guys around here will know that. There is one tool that you cannot do without in your house or in your toolbox or or whatever you have. What's the one tool you think you always need to have? What kind? Phillips head or flathead? See, that's the problem. You, every time you need a flathead, you need Phillips, head, just, it's confusing. Why don't they just say, everything has to be flathead, right? That would make it easier on us. But the one tool that we all need to have in our house, in our toolbox, somewhere in our possession, is a good old-fashioned hammer. You can't not have enough hammers. I know sometimes that when pictures are hung in our house, you know, you need to make sure that you have a hammer because, have you ever been in a situation where you needed a hammer and didn't have one? Man, that, that's frustrating, but a hammer is an amazing tool that it delivers a sudden impact on an object. And, and the force of that impact and, and the motion and the momentum of that hammer, what it does is it actually creates a force that will drive whatever that is into, into the, the wood or whatever it might be. But you know what the thing is? Hammers are ambidextrous. Did you know that? There's not a left-handed hammer, is there? Or a right-handed hammer. It doesn't matter. You can be lefty. You can be righty. As long as you put it in, in, the hammer, in your hand, you can swing it. And then the work. And also, I can remember times when I needed a hammer and could not find one. I'm just sitting here looking at my hand and looking at a nail. And I'm thinking, these Kung Fu guys, they could probably drive it right in. But I don't know Kung Fu, right? All I can do is eat Japanese and Chinese, amen? But either way, uh, when, you, when you need a hammer, you need... It, it's definitely a tool that you need, but uh, I've used a hammer to pry nails out of wood and to to keep doors open, or even to uh, pop caps off of cap guns. You ever remember doing that? You remember the caps? You get that that gun that, that had that long red strip of little things that would go pow? I just forget the gun, give me a hammer, and pow, pow, and I had a blast, man. That was you know a hammer and pop caps. That's all you need. Not only are they tools and not only can they be used for enjoyment, but they can also be weapons. Would you believe that in 2012 alone, there were more deaths and murders due to hammers and blunt objects than shotguns and rifles? In 2012, uh, the FBI reported that 518 murders related to hammers and blunt objects. So we see that something that has a tool and a purpose can be used for what it was intended. It can be used for entertainment, but it can also be used for harm as well. But what we see here, what we can conclude from this, is that every tool has been created for a specific purpose. If you need a screwdriver, you don't need to hit it with a hammer. Even though you might get frustrated and try it, it'll probably be worse off if you use the wrong tool. Also, Tools are created to make our lives easier and more productive. Also, tools in the hands of good people make the world a better place. It builds our world. But tools in the hands of wrong people bring destruction. And listen to this. Any tool that is not being used is worthless. Any tool not being used is worthless. When a tool finds its purpose and it is being used, that is when it is effective. Now, Everyone who hears this message today, including myself, needs to understand that we are hammers. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ. We are tools to be used by God. We are created by God to use all of our gifts and our talents according to His purpose in building His kingdom. That is why we are here. Well, God has given everyone the overwhelming purpose of loving Him, loving others, and sharing the gospel in everyday life. In the way that we treat our family, our friends, those authorities that are over us, and the way that we work, the way we play, and the way we relax, in the good and in the bad, we are to bring glory to God. Amen? Because you know, as I say that, I understand that, that everybody agrees with me that we are to bring glory to God. But, but how does that look in a daily life? Because we are so centered on ourselves and what, what God can do for us and what what church can do for us and how our needs are being met. But understand, our purpose, we were not created to meet our needs. Adam and Eve were not created to meet their own needs they were created to tend God's garden amen it was not about them it was about God and that's where temptation came in and from the very beginning of creation they got focused on themselves and we've been that way ever since but the purpose we were created for is what Ephesians or excuse me Colossians 3 17 puts it this way. He says, And whatever you do, in work or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Everything that we do, in word or deed, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we pay the bills that come to our house every month, we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. When we reach out to a friend that is hurting." We do that in the name of Jesus Christ. When we have to suffer through health infirmities or whether we have to, to go through tough waters, we do that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today you may accept your purpose or you may reject it. You may run from it or you may ignore it. But the inescapable fact that no one can get away from this morning is that what we are created by God for is to have an overwhelming purpose. Well, we're going to look in the passage today of the rich young ruler. This is is where purposes collide and clash. And the first thing that we see in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 20, we see that we do not need to be overwhelmed with selfish purpose. Let's read verses um, 16 through 20. It says, just then someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Jesus replied, but why do you ask me what is good? He said to him, there is only one who is good, and if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Well, this rich young ruler was happy that he gave that answer because uh, the, the rich young ruler asked Jesus, which ones, he asked him. Jesus answered, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, very pridefully, the rich young ruler said, I have kept all these. The young man told him, What do I still lack? This religious man, this rich young ruler, had kept six of these commandments. Every one of them that Jesus listed, he had kept. The rich young man had the right actions, but he had the wrong purpose. He was doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Christian, listen to me today. Be very careful that you are not doing the right things for the wrong reason. Let's look and see what that means. In the very first part of verse 16, what does the rich young ruler call Jesus? He calls them teacher. He calls him a teacher. By, by him using the word teacher... He is, by him giving him that title, he is saying, I believe that you are a man of influence. I believe that you have authority. So by me calling you a teacher, I am am the student, you are the teacher. So there was a form of respect in the way the rich young ruler approached Jesus. And also, the six commandments that Jesus listed, they all asked about how the rich young ruler dealt with other people. Have you noticed that? Everything, every one of those commandments, murder, adultery, stealing, false witness, mother and father, neighbors yourself, all of those things dealt with the horizontal aspect of our faith, how we reach out to others. So, if you were to look at this rich young ruler, and he was your neighbor, he was your pew buddy, or he was someone you worked with, whoever it may be, you would just look at that person and say, that's a fine young man. He, he is fine. He is fine. He, he is just nice. If, if if he is single, y'all look into dating him. He is fine and he is young. And he treats everybody so good. I don't know why y'all all of a sudden got a southern draw like that. But but really, I mean, this guy probably would have been asked to be deacon, and then I mean, he would have been. He he looked good. I mean, he had all the right aspects. But there was something that we could not. Get around. The rich young man could keep these commandments, but in all of it, he missed the mark. He missed the mark. Jason, you'll appreciate this. I was, you know, sometimes I get on the internet and start surfing, and you you come across crazy things. There was a picture of a car accident. A car had wrecked in front of Target. Okay, and then they showed this big Target sign with the bullseye on it, and the car was leaning to the left of that sign. And the caption was, "He just missed it." <laughs> so, I'm sure it wasn't funny to the family, but uh, just the picture was ironic that the car landed right in front of the target sign and missed it. But folks, as you look at this passage, as you look at the rich young ruler, he was so close to what Jesus wanted, but yet he was so far away. He had his relationships with his people intact, but the rich young man could keep these commandments while missing the most important thing. What do you think the most important thing was? How about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? How about having no other idols before me? How about not taking my name in vain? Hear me out, church. He had a great purpose of keeping the commandments and letting others think that He was a great man. But He had no purpose, no relationship, no tie in with God Himself. He was so close, but so far away. Folks, we can fill our lives with good intentions. What else did they say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. How many times have you hear somebody say, "Well, I didn't mean it that way," or well, you know, they just took it the wrong way. This is what I intended. I, I didn't mean to end up like this. No one really means to end up anyway, anywhere. that is unpleasant, that is wrong. But sometimes we just end up that way, don't we? But his intentions were good. And he was considered by everyone to be a good person. But the rich young man wanted Jesus to tell him that he was already doing a good job. (laughs) It's kind of like the rich young ruler was just wanting to hear Jesus say, Oh, you are so good. Sometimes we're like that. We go to church and we want to hear everybody say, oh, you are so good. Oh, Jesus, he is so proud of me. He's got the disciples and then there's me. If there had been a 13th disciple, I really think he would have picked me to be one of them. Now, we might not be that brave. And we might not say that verbally. But there are times where we become very proud of what we have accomplished and what we have done. And how do we know that we've become proud? Because we look down on other people while building ourselves up. We cannot do that. The rich young ruler thought he had everything, but he was so far away. Folks, instead of pursuing God's purpose for our life, like the rich young ruler, we would rather have him bless our pursuits on our own free will. In other words, instead of saying... Jesus Christ, what do you want from me? What we're saying is, here's what I'm doing. Bless it, Lord. It doesn't work like that, folks. We've got it backwards. God does not bless what we do. God blesses what He ordains. And what He ordains is His will. It's not Him getting on our page. It's us getting on His. Amen? the rich young ruler didn't see that. And, and following our purpose versus obeying Christ's purposes, folks, serving our purpose, when, when we do what we want and try to get God to bless it, who gets the glory? We do. We get the glory. This rich young ruler, he, he had prestige. He had a testimony. People knew who he was. He was the model person. He was getting the glory. But when we serve Christ's purposes... Sometimes we don't get the glory. He gets the glory. Okay? And we also see in verse 20, our purposes fall short of Christ's purposes for our life. Every time. Why do we say that? If we go back and look at verse 20, it says, I have kept all these things, a young man told him. What do I still lack? Listen. I've seen it in religious people's lives before. I've seen it in my life. To where we do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And yet, at the end of that that time, at the end of that evaluation, we still come up empty. Saying, what more is it? "Oh, Oh God, you understand, I was at church two out of four Sundays this month. I read my Bible three times this month, Lord. Or somebody might say, oh Lord, I'm there every time the church opens. Matter of fact, that gave me a set of keys so I could close up when I leave. Doesn't matter what, which extreme you are. If we are meeting here, if we are worshiping here to feed our own desires and our own self-narcissistic needs and not worship Christ, obey Christ, and to make Him known to this community, we've got it backwards, and you will always be, I will always be empty as long as we serve our needs instead of His. The rich young ruler knew that. Folks, you can be morally right, you cannot live in sin, yet be empty and void in your life because you are not fulfilling God's purpose. What impact does an extra hour of overtime really make? I know plenty of people, there's nothing wrong with getting overtime, but when it starts taking, overtime starts taking away your time with your family. Your walk with Christ, your time worshiping Him, is that extra money really worth that? What impact does having extra time away from church be how is it beneficial and, and fulfilling a purpose for you? On the other extreme of this, has the extra time at church stifled your personal time with Him? Have you seen the benefits of your life? when you yielded to God's purpose rather than your own. Well, the next part we see is that our possessions and their purpose will not save us. Our possessions and their purpose will not save us. Let's read verses 21 through 26. He says, and Jesus says this, If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, because that's what the rich young ruler was looking for. He was wanting to be you know, know, super Christian, super leader. I've kept all six of the commandments you've mentioned. Well, Jesus kind of baits him and he says, well, if you want to be perfect, go sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Ouch. Man, if that was a sucker punch, I never saw one. Here, this guy was so confident in himself. He had made; he was a self-made man. But yet, here Jesus asked him to sell everything that he has and then think about following him. When the young man heard the command, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I assure you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, what we see here is that Jesus wanted the rich young man to be right with God and to not worship his wealth. Listen. Listen. God doesn't ask everyone in here today to sell everything you have to follow Him. As a matter of fact, as you look in these Scriptures, when He called the disciples, He didn't necessarily tell them to sell everything He had. He didn't didn't vow them to a life of poverty, but at the same time, what did He say to them? Drop what you're doing and come. I'll make you fishers of men. Come to my overwhelming purpose. See, the thing is with the rich young ruler, he knew exactly where the rich young ruler's faith was. The rich young ruler's faith was not in keeping the law. The rich young ruler's faith was in his own money and power that he had accumulated. The rich young man was right with man, but he was far from God. Folks, those who live their lives based on good works and the praise of of man and the accumulation of worldly possessions rather than a relationship with their loving creator, God, will find themselves right beside the poorest of poor in hell. Folks, let me tell you, put it this way your toys, your titles will not save you. It doesn't matter how you could go look at the news, you could Google the most Fortune 500. Companies and, and CEOs, and you can find the people who have the most money. But money does not matter. Jesus has shown us this. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that if you're, if you're well off that you're evil. That's not what Jesus was saying. I know, well, I don't know a whole lot, but I know a few people that have got a lot of money, but yet they, they are using it for the Lord. And God is blessing them because of that. The issue was not the level of the rich young ruler's bank account. It wasn't the fact that it had five or six zeros behind it. The fact was that he worshipped his money more than his relationship with God. And folks, for for you today, it might not be money. It might be your personal time. It might be time with a relationship or a habit or an addiction or something that you say, God, you can have everything except this. Say, God, you don't understand. I've been living with this all my life. I don't want to give it up. Jesus is saying, unless you can give up whatever that is, you cannot follow me. We see in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, we see a very rich man that dies, and he goes to hell. And he begs for Lazarus, not the one that Jesus raised, but another another person, Lazarus, a, a character that Jesus uses. He says... He begged Lazarus just to tip, dip his finger into a bowl of water let him have the, the drop of water that came off his finger because he was in such agony. Folks, hear me out and hear me well. I know we have got a lot of sweet people in here, but whether you are sweet or mean or wherever you are in your, your walk with the Lord and with others, whatever we put our faith in other than Jesus Christ, other than making God's overwhelming purpose a part of our lives, it will leave us empty, unsatisfied. And if we never trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, it will leave us to hell. That's what Jesus is warning us here. Jesus knew the rich young man's biggest weakness, his biggest weakness, his biggest gut check, the true cost of the discipleship was giving up his life To follow God's life. Let me tell you something this morning. If your Christian walk with God has not cost you anything, you're probably not walking with God. Because if the cost of following Christ is great enough, then everything else is irrelevant. We see here in our last point, we see that overwhelming purpose brings overwhelming blessings. Verses 27-30. through Then Peter responded to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? Peter, he was so impulsive. He's basically saying, okay, Jesus, so what's in it for us? We're not like that rich young ruler guy. We, we, we've given up everything. We've followed your overwhelming purpose. We, we, that would be like the church member saying, preacher, I'm here every Sunday. Thank you. I'm glad that you're here and I'm praying that the Lord is blessing you. But what we see here, even Peter, one of the disciples says, what's in it for me? Well, Jesus responded. He said, I assure you in the messianic age, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers and sisters, fathers or mothers, children of fields, or fields, because of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Folks, underline that or or make that your your ground that you stand on this morning. This passage is about people inheriting eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. See, that's where that comes from. Next time you're waiting in line at the uh, covered dish, and your table doesn't get called first? Just understand. The first to be last and the last to be first. Amen. Your blessings are not here. Those, those that have to wait in the covered dish line, you don't get as many calories. Amen. That's what I'm claiming. But what we see here, Peter was asking what's in it for us. Jesus' answer was, I will give you overwhelming purposes. Jesus told the disciples, you will finally rule the kingdom you have been waiting for. We see passage after passage the disciples thought that they were going to have this big earthly kingdom. But what Jesus is saying, come on, look up here. We're almost done. Hang with me here. I promise you, your power has to be ready when you get home. Listen. What they, what the disciples spent all of their time saying, where is our kingdom? Where is our kingdom? Where is the power? We thought we were part of this great, grand movement. And what Jesus is saying in His ear is that it's coming. And you'll be ready And it'll be worth everything you've ever imagined. Whatever you're thinking it is, it's better. And then we see that, folks, in the next life, Christians will have eternal life. But in this life, everything that we have lost, think about this. Everything that you have lost in the name of Jesus, you will gain when He returns. Our loved ones, our missed experiences, Our endurance is through persecution. Our trials, they will be rewarded. Folks, we trade overwhelming purpose for overwhelming blessings. when Jesus Christ comes back. Amen. For example, in 1919, if you were to have bought a $40, one piece of stock, $40, in the Coca-Cola company, Today, it would be worth $9.8 million. A $40 stock. And then again, in 1919, $40 was a lot of money. But $40 a stock for $9.8 million. Folks, listen to me. Right now, you're putting in your dues on this earth. Right now, you are living in this this earth suit called a body. And you are you are doing the work of the Lord. You are living for His overwhelming purpose. But one day, the effort that you have put on this earth will be tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold when we come into Christ's kingdom. Folks, are you looking for overwhelming purpose? I hope that you are. Because in closing, as we look at the rich young man I want you to see something. Adrian Rogers put it great. He said, he said, he came at the right time. Talking about the rich young ruler. He came at the right time because he came when he was young. He came to the right person. He ran and knelt at the feet of Jesus. He asked the right question. What was the question? He wanted eternal life. He received the right answer. Jesus told him to sell everything that he had to give to the poor. Jesus told him to take up his cross and follow Him. But he made the wrong choice. He turned away from the Lord and did not follow Him. Have you let someone or something steal your love and devotion to God today? I beg you, make the right choice. Do not be like the rich young ruler and walk away empty and sad. I know that there are many of you in here that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And as your pastor, I praise the Lord for that. But please, even though you are saved, don't think that this message is just for those who don't know Jesus Christ. Folks, any time we put something on the altar of our life that's other than God, it stifles our relationship with Him. Folks, if you can get past the point of living for yourself, and understand that we as believers are living for Him, and He still has overwhelming purpose for us. It will bring presence and peace and power in your life. But many of you say, "Preacher, I'm retired. You know, those days are gone. I got my my Hardy's coffee card, and, and and I got my routine, and and you know, my days are over." Folks, every breath you take is another opportunity to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Every breath is a gift. Don't waste it. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, I will tell you, your life is bound to be empty and pointless to the point to where you will miss eternal life with God and spend an eternity in hell. And that is not what Jesus Christ wants. That's not why He came. Jesus Christ did not come to condemn people to hell. He came to keep them from it, if they would just accept Him. God, may you be with this prayer time today, Lord, this invitation. If someone wants to know you as their Savior, Lord, would they please come forward, and I will lead them in a prayer and get them started on this journey called salvation and eternal life, Lord. But Lord, if there's someone who just needs prayer, would like to join this church. That's available also, so would you please stand for this time of invitation.